Hello and welcome back to the EV Life podcast, or if this is your first time here, welcome. I'm your host, Crystal Maharaj, and in today's episode, we'll be talking to a Calgarian who began retrofitting classic hot rods to EVs. Such a neat hobby, but while EVs are still fairly new in the marketplace, people have been retrofitting internal combustion engines or ICE vehicles to EVs for some time. In fact, the whole concept of EVs aren't exactly brand new, right, Allison? Yeah, yeah. So I'm Allison Bench, and I've been working on a as a producer on the EV Life podcast, and we stumbled across some really cool background and info about companies have been retrofitting ICE vehicles to EVs. But if you're into classic cars, because that's the whole idea of retrofitting, you take these classic cars yeah. and you make them into an EV, but there's actually companies <laughs> that were already making EVs that people could buy in in like the early century. Yeah, so we stumbled upon like Jay Leno. If you know anything about Jay Leno, he is a huge car collector and he owns a 1909 Baker electric car. <laughs> tell like tell people what this car looks like. Picture an episode of Downton Abbey, but Jay Leno is driving the vehicle and it's also electric. It looks like, like a horse carriage without the horses. Yes, or so, like Titanic era. Yeah. yeah. So you really need to go Google this car if you've never seen it before. The Baker electric car. And if you put in Jay Leno, there's actually video of him driving this thing around. So it's pretty cool. Yeah. And I know he's a big car collector. And mm-hmm. I know that there's a lot of people who love collecting or even just seeing or just love classic cars like they look so different than the cars we have now yeah and I I think the whole idea with retrofitting is you know there are so many options for EVs today but some people want that classic car look but they still want an EV and so this is kind of like a a way to to have your EV but also not lose that you know the the classic era of cars so another cool, you know, thing that we stumbled upon was the Bond car. So Aston Martin is actually making, like, turning a few of those cars into EVs, which I think so is so cool. neat. So cool. <laughs> yeah. So you kind of, you know, you get you get the look that you want and the car that you want. You don't, you're not kind of pigeonholed into what that car can be. Mm-hmm. And I think also, and I know our interview gets into this a little bit more too, is that there is also a benefit to retrofitting an older car just because, you know, you think of a newer car. And when I say newer, I mean, maybe in the last, you know, 20 years, mm-hmm. those cars have a lot more technology, but these older cars, I think because they don't have air conditioning and yeah. a dashboard with technology on it, they, I think it's simpler for them to convert it. Right. But I do think, I'll be honest, I think the look is a big part of it, when, yeah. especially for our guest today. I think he's very into classic cars. Yeah. So we'll be talking to Terry Orr today. He is known as the mad scientist. He's a Calgarian and he just has a love for hot rods and decided one day that he was going to retrofit, uh, you know, old classic car to an EV. So he joins us to chat a little bit about how he got into that. And then he'll offer some advice for those of you at home who may be considering picking up (laughs) retrofitting as a hobby. So let's jump into that interview. Terry, I'm really excited to talk to the mad scientist. (laughs) (laughs) Sure. Where did that name come from? Oh, I don't know. Well, I've actually been interviewed a couple times, and I guess I just wanted to describe what I do. And the problem is I do so many. It's kind of all-encompassing. There's a lot of things involved in, I guess, uh, doing uh, EV conversions. But mad scientist is a good one to kind of encapsulate uh, the whole process. 
Yeah. So you mentioned that you kind of have your hands in multiple different areas. You started off as a car mechanic. Is that correct? Well, not officially. Um, I guess I've always liked to build things, fix things, invent things. And uh, when I was in high school, of course, I got into cars. Everybody needed a car in high school. Yep. And uh, I mean, I got the car bug. It bit me pretty hard. And I ended up uh, getting really interested in hot rodding cars, fixing them up, making them better, making them a little faster and that sort of thing. So it just started off as a hobby. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And uh, I just feel like uh, it's nice to have a custom car, something that you've built yourself, you know, the car inside out, that kind of thing. Nice. And so how did you go from fixing up hot rods to converting, you know, traditional combustion engine cars to electric vehicles? That's quite the shift, isn't it? Well, in a way, it's kind of, um, it's all about the timing, really. So that was high school. And I I did that for a while. And then of course, uh, life came along, and I ended up having a family and career and started a business and that sort of thing. So I couldn't really work on cars for the longest time. Then I ended up, uh, I guess I'm retired and I decided I wanted to get back into working on cars. But at the same time, this whole EV revolution was coming down and I really wanted to know whether electric cars were any good. So about six years ago, we bought ourselves a used Nissan Leaf and I discovered if you're into engineering and design, you would probably agree that they're just amazing cars. So having driven that car and realized how good electric cars could be or how good they were, I decided at the same time, I wanted to start working on cars. And the only way to combine the two passions, EVs and old classic cars, was to make them, retrofit them into electric cars. So you just thought, hey, these electric vehicles are really cool. So guess what? I'm going to make my own. Yeah. And, you know, I'm always up for a challenge. So I mean, <laughs> having worked on cars before and gone to lots of car shows and, seen, you know, I used to grow up reading hot rod magazines, that sort of thing, and looking at sports car magazines. I mean, it's all kind of been done to death. So this was a whole new frontier and very exciting and very challenging. And so that's what I wanted to try and tackle. So when you started retrofitting ICE vehicles to EVs, you said about five or six years ago, were there a lot of people doing this? Well, not really. In fact, uh, there still isn't too many here in uh, definitely not in Alberta or even in Canada. I'm probably one of maybe a handful. And when I say a handful, I'm talking like four or five people that are doing it or have done it in all of Canada. It's really picking up popularity. So in the United States, there's lots of people doing it. Europe, um, even all over the world, like Mexico or Brazil, the Netherlands. I mean, it's really gaining in popularity. So why do you think it's a little bit slower in Canada? Well, I think a couple of reasons. It's just we we take a little bit longer sometimes to catch on to things, but also maybe the parts uh, are harder to come by here and maybe a little more expensive. Right. Um, So I can see that. uh, I can see it. Definitely the interest is there. Uh, and I think it's going to pick up, but, uh, for now that's where we're at. So if you look at the evolution of kind of EV conversions, it was about 10 years ago or sorry, like 19 or sorry, 2010 around that era when people really wanted electric cars, but you couldn't buy one. And so people started building their own, but it was kind of primitive. It was a lot of backyard mechanics and they were using like uh, forklift motors and that sort of thing. Interesting. So there was a four or five day years of that. And then when the Nissan Leaf came out, the Tesla Model S, like actual manufactured electric cars, the EV conversion interest kind of dropped a little bit. There was kind of an interest there for a while, and then it dropped off. But then it picked up again. And now we're right now on this a huge uptick in interest. And I think uh, the difference really is there's more components, parts better quality stuff that you can choose from. And it's really transformed the final product. 
So now when I do an EV conversion, you've got a car that's really quite viable. I mean, it runs and drives excellent and it's got, you know, highway speeds and you can go a, a reasonable distance. So it's, it's really makes a difference. So it's a car that you're comfortable taking on the highway. Would you take it on a longer distance trip? Well, it really depends. Uh, so the cars that I build are, are mostly, like I say, classic type cars. So people really aren't using them to, to go cross Canada, right. for example. They're more for going to car shows. They're more for appreciating. And uh, if when I go to car shows today, for example, I see all sorts of classic collector cars, even some hot rod cars. None of those guys drive them, you know, across the country. Right. <laughs> they serve a different purpose. Now, having said that, I mean, there are people right now doing EV conversions on Land Rovers and Jeeps and all sorts of things. So it's really evolved to that level. So right. it kind of just depends on what you want to do and what your goals with your vehicle are and uh, kind of also what your budget is too. So Terry, how many vehicles have you converted so far? Well, I've just done the two and I've got the third one. Uh, I'm in the process of doing a Porsche 914. So that's going to be my wow. poor man's Tesla Roadster is what I call it. Looking forward to that one. And uh, I'm helping a local high school. They've got uh, a project where they're going to be converting two vehicles. So I'm helping with them and they're going to in turn roll that into part of their high school shop class curriculum. Have you been hearing a lot of excitement from the students looking forward to working on this project? Well, yeah, you know, it's a mixed bag. Uh, it's the same everywhere. You got some people that are kind of, I guess they're, they, they kind of still don't really understand how exciting it can be, <laughs> I guess. Right. Like, from my viewpoint, they're still kind of thinking the old old ways or the old cars and, and the old ways of doing things. And then there's other kids that are just, they know this is the future and they're very excited about it. Right. And how did you get involved um, working with high schools? Well, just through mutual friends. I guess uh, they found out about me and they've contacted me. So essentially, you know, I am retired and I'm just doing this as a sideline, as a hobby. But what's happened is I've been approached by so many different people now that I have quite a few other cars lined up that people will be paying me to help them do the conversion. So you're so, turning this uh, into a little bit of a business. Well, a little sideline business, yeah. And what do you do with your vehicles once you're done retrofitting them? Do you keep them? Do you sell them? Well, you know what? <laughs> I guess in the back of my mind, I start working on a car. I think I'm going to build this car, drive it for a while and sell it. But what happens is I just fall in love with you them. You grow attached, yeah. And so <laughs> I cannot get rid of them. So right now, it's really just space is at a premium. I've got a pretty good uh, workshop and garage set up, but we're at the maximum. We have five electric cars already, so I can't really have room for one more. I really want to do a Karmic Gia, and I'd also like to do, you know, a Jeep, and I'd also like to do, you know, it just keeps going on and on. So you're going to be working with high school students. So is this something that a hobby mechanic can do? I mean, I certainly don't believe in my potential to retrofit an ICE vehicle to an EV. But for someone who's maybe more inclined to that sort of thing, is this doable or? I think, you know, there's not very many magazines still publishing, but if you could pick up a Pop of the Mechanics magazine and read it and understand it, 
I think you could do an EV conversion. So it's not too complicated. Well, actually, it's really complicated and it's really hard, but it's a challenge. And there's a lot of people up to the task. I think that it's doable. There's people doing it all over the world. Like I said, there's actual shops that specialize in this and charge a lot of money to do it. And then there's a lot of people that just do it, um, you know, in their garage. What are some of the risks to consider ahead of time? So if there is someone who says they listen to this podcast and they're like, you know what, I think I'm going to try to retrofit my vehicle. Any yeah. learnings? I mean, you've you've been doing this for a, quite a few years. So, anything you can yeah, share? Well, you know what? I could. You could probably spend if Sate offered a course just on lithium batteries. You'd probably take a six month course and just learn about lithium batteries. Of course, they don't. But if they could, you'd have to do the, your own, like educate yourself or learn from somebody else. But in any case, I mean, there's a lot to learn. So as long as you're doing everything in a safe manner and you go slowly and just do things in small little chunks, uh, yeah, it's not really a problem. Not really any different than wrenching on your old Triumph or your old Camaro. You just have to be careful. The way I look at it is people have been working on cars for a long time and they're working on a combustible engine, which uses a combustible fuel. The word combustible means explosion. Right. <laughs> so you're working on a vehicle that does nothing but makes explosions. And uh, so, I mean... The risk involved like, with both. There's, there's the risk with the batteries and that sort of thing. But generally, that's not really an issue till at the very end when you put it all together. And you just have to be very careful. And how have things changed between now and when you first started retrofitting vehicles? I know you mentioned parts are a lot easier to come by now than they were back in... 2015, yeah, like 2014. Ago, yeah. yeah. Well, it's really an exciting time. I think we're just on this amazing, the cusp of an amazing revolution. And uh, in terms of transportation and in terms of like people and, and working on their own cars, this is a very exciting time. So what's happened is there's more people doing EV conversions, a more variety, but mostly there's more parts available. So you've got all these OEM cars and now people are cannibalizing them. So they're using motors out of a Tesla or batteries out of a Tesla or something out of a like an old BMW i3 electric car. They might harvest a bunch of those parts and then they put them in their old car or whatever car they're, they're trying to convert. So you're really getting better performance and for a lower cost than we did before and just making the cars, the final product, uh, that much more exciting and compelling. For example, like batteries. Now there's a lot of different lithium chemistries of the batteries. And also the batteries have gotten way less expensive and much more dense. So you get basically more for bang for your buck. So things are just getting better and they'll continue to improve as this technology just advances. Yeah, I think so. I mean, I've, I've seen it just in the last six years. Well, Terry, thank you so much for joining me on the podcast today. I just have one last question for you. So you okay. mentioned that you live in Calgary. You retrofit these ICE vehicles and their EVs. Are you yep. able to just take it on the road? Do you have to do an inspection in order for it to be suitable for the road? If you get pulled over by the cops, are you going to run into any issues? Uh, all my cars do get inspection. And in fact, I get a discount on my insurance for having an electric car. Nice. And can I just ask, what's the range with the vehicles that you've retrofitted? So the cars, at the two that I've done, kind of like the, the magic number is 200 kilometers. Now, nice. you can definitely go further than that if you wanted to. But what I find is I'll drive around all day. I'll go uh, run errands or go visit some friends or go to a car show and come back. And, you know, like I don't even use half a tank. 
Yeah. So really, I've never even come close to running out of juice. It really just comes down to how far and how fast you want to go. So your budget dictates that. Right. And also maybe, you know, the size of the car. A small car can only handle so many batteries. And are you just charging at home? Well, yeah. So I have uh, actually a couple EV charging stations at my house to charge up our cars. We run it off solar off the roof. But the cars that I build are able to use all of the public chargers. So theoretically, you could, you know, you could drive out to Canmore and then charge in Canmore. So just like any other EV that you'd purchase from a dealership? Yeah. The only difference is there's different levels of charging, level one, level two, and what we call level three, which is highway charging, which is really fast charging. So my cars can go uh, take a level two charge. That's 240 volts up to about 20 amps, that kind of thing. And which is, like I say, more than adequate for most of the driving that I do. Well, Terry, I know I said I was just going to ask you one question and then I proceeded to ask you about 10 more. So I really appreciate your time on the podcast today. Thank you so much for speaking to me. Oh, you are welcome. It's been my pleasure. I hope you enjoyed our conversation with Terry Orr today. Thank you so much for tuning into the EV Life podcast with me, Crystal. Remember to subscribe to the podcast so you never miss an episode. It will be available anywhere you get your podcasts from and we'll be releasing episodes weekly. So make sure to check back in next week. We'll be chatting with Terry Spees next week. He's from Natural Resources Canada, and he'll be sharing some great initiatives that the federal government has going on to get more Canadians into EVs. So we're really looking forward to that. Until next week, talk to you then.